there. My name is Renee Powers, and I host the Wild Cozy Truth Podcast, a space for women to own our stories, find strength and vulnerability, and stand naked in truth. Each episode, I share a personal essay and then interview an ordinary woman about her extraordinary stories, from faith and politics to the messiness of motherhood and more. Become a Wild Woman Truth Teller by subscribing to Wild Cozy Truth on iTunes or Google Play, or learn more at wildcozytruth.com. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. Everybody, welcome to Geek and Amazons. I'm your co-host Bella. I'm Mina. Oh, I hear a snoring puppy. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, from now on, just accept the fact that you will be listening to my feisty but lovable Boston Terrier snore because I'm doing this in bed and she is in bed with me and she is <laughs> napping and she will be snoring. So just embrace it. People who like AMSR stuff are just like going nuts right now <laughs> oh man that's adorable anyway mina yeah so you gotta you got something to share so exciting i realize that i'm late to the party i know that but i finally watched big little lies oh it's so good it is so so good i did not expect to love that show as much as i did have i ever steered you wrong you haven't but like think about how it looks it's a bunch of rich white ladies Mm -hmm. and zoe kravitz and like yeah one person (laughs) of color who is awesome but she's just like tossed in there and i was like all right so i guess it'll be like interesting and i can laugh at these white ladies and then stuff happened and like I was invested and I cared about people and then more stuff happened and I cared even harder and then it was like all of a sudden the show became white 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 feminist but besides that it's a very very feminist show and it's very very well done obviously we're not going to talk about the end because it right it's six episodes of about an hour long and they're all leading up to maybe the last 20 minutes right but they are an amazing 20 minutes. I was watching it and texting Belinda and it was like, oh my God, this happened. Oh my God, that happened. Wait, what? Oh my God, what is happening? Yeah, it's so interesting to call it a feminist show because like you're right at its surface. You're like, why do I care about these basic white bitches? Mm-hmm. It's like the whitest of the white basic mm-hmm. bitches too. It's like, it's Nicole Kidman, it's Reese Witherspoon <laughs> and it is Shailene Woodley and Laura Dern. Okay, I'm going to give Laura Dern a pass because she's got Star Wars status now. Right, that's true. But still, at the surface, you're like, it's just a bunch of white ladies, rich white ladies, Mm -hmm. bickering Mm -hmm. at each other and trying to one-up each other. But Mm -hmm. then you get under the surface and you see all of this drama and all of this serious drama. And- once it was done and I was processing the show, because it is, it's a heavy show and there's a lot, it's very dense. Mm-hmm. I realized that there is nudity and it's female nudity and it's done so well. The nudity almost contributes to the character development and doesn't objectify 
the women. Right. The sex scenes are shot right. There's a differentiation between lovemaking scenes and rape scenes. The way they're filmed, it's very obvious that they're very different things. Which you would think is basic knowledge, but if you look at something like, say, Game of Thrones, the rape scenes are extremely sexualized. They're not differentiated from the consensual sex. I'm nodding emphatically for those who can't see. I just you're describing it so well. Like and and you also you also mentioned like it's so obvious that the source material came from a woman. Right. Which it did. The the original novel is uh Leanne Moriarty for anybody who wants to seek out the novel. Okay. Which I at some point might have to do. Yeah. So of course after the show was done, after I finished watching it, I went online and searched everything. The show was actually Reese and Nicole's doing. They got the rights for the show. They, I didn't know that. They went out of their way. They, I think Nicole flew to Australia, met with the author, discussed it with her. The author was involved on set. So whatever changes they made to the show, they got her blessing to do them. Oh. So they were involved every step of the way. Now, the show that is, is isn't that amazing? So, yeah. I believe the director is male, but they couldn't find anyone else. And it was someone that either Reese or Nicole had worked with before. But for season two, the episodes will be directed by a female director. Wow. So that's the one instance where I genuinely believe they couldn't find anyone else. Because sometimes even in Hollywood, and if you're as big a personality as Reese and Nicole, sometimes when even when they're doing a project last minute, right, or if they're trying to use their own resources, mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, sometimes stuff happens. But you can also tell that, yeah, it was a male director. You could tell that they knew this they knew this guy right and this guy knew them and respected it's, it's them. done oh god i gotta rewatch now that i know that <laughs> i want to go back and rewatch it i mean we're not getting season two until 2019 oh, oh god which is so so painful <laughs> but meryl is coming for season two so i mean i can't believe it because it's that's the caliber of the show but also the idea of meryl streep doing television is like mind-boggling yeah from what i hear rumors are that she's going to be playing laura dern's character's mom see i read that it was actually it's oh boy i don't want to say actually because i don't want to it's someone else's mom oh okay maybe i mean <sighs> i i read that i read that when it was very just announced okay so it, so things could have obviously changed so after a heavy show like big little lies you probably want to watch something a little bit more lighthearted, right? Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just slightly less dense and convoluted. So in a roundabout way, we have come to our main topic today. Yeah. We're talking about probably the best cartoon to ever come on the scene. Probably. Definitely. We are talking about Bob's Burgers. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, I love that show. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're going to be talking about Bob's Burgers, but is it a feminist show? How is it a feminist show? Why is it a feminist show? Yeah, let's do this. Okay, so Bob's Burgers came on the scene in 2011. It currently has eight seasons, wow. which is amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. It was created by Lauren Bouchard and Jim Dotrieve, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. John Benjamin, Dan Mintz, Eugene Merman, Kristen Schaal, John Roberts are the main cast. We also have, you know, appearances by Kevin Klein, by Zach Galifianakis, Key and Peele have done <laughs> voices every so often. 
often. They get like insane voice talent. They do. Sarah Silverman and her sister Laura play Ollie and Andy. That is so cute. That's one of my favorite tidbits about that show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so well too. Yeah, exactly. Jenny Slate, yes. who we love. Mm-hmm. She's Sammy. And Megan Mullally is Gail, Sister Gail. Yes. I love who her. Who is also, she's yes. so talented. Yes. Megan Mullally, there's something about her. I know. She's charming and she's mm-hmm. funny. I think it's also because it's that pretty girl with the dirty mouth. Yes. Like it's what makes it what it's what makes comedians like Eliza Schlesinger or like Abby, Abby and Alana mm-hmm. from Broad City. I think it's like the pretty face vulgar humor. Yes. Juxtaposition, which I love. Mm. I'm all for it. So it's just a, we got a great voice talent. The music on the show is great. Yeah. They write their own songs. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Lauren Bouchard, who's the creator, he writes a lot of the songs. One of my other favorite things is that they've had like actual musicians do covers of their songs. Yes. So like the National did one of their, I think their Thanksgiving song. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> they did like a special Thanksgiving release. Yeah, I remember. So Mina, do you want to give like a little synopsis? Oh, okay. So Bob's Burgers is about a lower middle class family living in what uh-huh. what is word of God known as New Jersey, the shore. And they run a restaurant called Bob's Burgers, which has always been the father's dream. And it's basically... Them getting into wacky adventures. The family consists of the father, Bob, the mother, Linda, and the three kids, Jean, Louise, and Tina. That's it. That's that's the basic premise of the show. And then Mm -hmm. they just get into amazing adventures and love each other and are hilarious. Yeah. It's it's a beautiful family dynamic show. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't fall into that trap of that family guy or... American Dad or The Simpsons, any of those mm-hmm. animated family comedies, it doesn't follow this let's pick one person in the family to shit on. Mm-hmm. One of the articles I read actually said that sometimes in, in those family comedies, it's the the male characters that are often getting into trouble and the women are just like, well, this is what we have to deal with and we have to deal with the consequences. In Bob's Burgers, it doesn't happen that way. Mm-mm. They all equally get into shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> they all take turns they do. screwing everything up. And they do, and sometimes it's the kids versus is the parent mm-hmm. sometimes it's the siblings versus each other sometimes it's even bob versus linda mm-hmm. it's not like homer and bart are going on a wacky adventure and lisa and marge are like not again yeah or like there's no character like meg in family guy which i really hate it started out funny and it got mm-hmm. way 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 bad because it was meant to be satirical of that trope but Mm -hmm. it stopped being satire and just became the thing right which it's not funny anymore no it's just abusive now the family the belchers they rib on each other but it definitely comes from a place of love oh yeah it's never malicious Mm -hmm. it's never insulting it's always loving and teasing and fun yeah. And mutual and mutual. consensual. So a lot of people, I mean, I think ourselves included, we definitely recognize Bob's Burgers as a feminist show. Mm-hmm. It's not without its problems, though. No, very few things are. Mm-hmm. Every perfect show has its problem. I mean, even when we talked about Parks and Recreation, there were problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The trick is finding something that has as few problems as possible. 
That's true. Oh, and learned. I feel like Bob's Burgers, we're going to get to this in a second, but I feel like mm-hmm. it's learned and it's not making the same mistakes it did in the first season. Absolutely. No, you. if you go and watch season one and then watch later seasons, you can tell that there was some sort of like shift, mm-hmm. maybe. They're more aware. They're like, oh, shit, we have fans and they are telling us things we better listen yes mm-hmm. so do you want to dive into the problematic aspects of the show yep. that's how we do it <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest thing that repeatedly came up is the transphobia specifically mm. in what is it sheesh Sheesh Cab Bob yes that episode so which is probably my favorite episode even despite its transphobia right it's a very funny episode but so that is the episode in which bob takes a job as a cab driver to help pay for tina's party and when he does so some of his passengers happen to be trans sex workers now the transphobia is subtle yeah i did not pick up on it no i didn't either this is the problem and they're actually highlighting something very important bob is not openly transphobic Mm -hmm. bob is actually very nice and the trans sex workers aren't openly or no one is aggressive towards them or openly transphobic or openly abusive towards them yeah it's actually kind of at face value it's actually kind of nice yes everyone is very nice to them and spoilers they end up at the birthday party and everyone's (laughs) sort of like Okay, it's a kids party and this is interesting, but no one's like, hey, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So funnily enough, I think that that is a huge learning opportunity because despite the fact that no one is mean to them, there are a bunch of transphobic moments. Mm. So one of the specific examples cited is when Bob picks them up and looks at them and it's obviously animation, but it the animation makes it look like the camera is zooming in on them. And the camera zooms in on the sex workers' traditionally masculine features. That's a good way to put it. Right, because women, some women have Adam's apples, but that's seen societally as something masculine, which whatever, that's nonsense. But and so body, the camera zo- and, and the body, body hair. hair. Yeah. So the camera zooms in on these. And initially I was like... Bob is a cis white dude who's never seen a trans woman. And this is him registering that. But someone in an article pointed out that this can be seen as othering trans women by highlighting aspects that transphobic people use to call them not women, which makes total, total sense. I am not disagreeing with any of that. Right. I will say one thing. He doesn't misgender them he calls them ladies right that's sort of my point bob isn't intentionally being transphobic right but our societal norms our societal norms are transphobic absolutely and that's that's the problem i mean i would say now more than ever we're leaning toward shades of gray but a lot of people still see the world as black white right you know two genders male female Mm -hmm. no in between Mm -hmm. Where the show does eventually embrace gender fluidity, Mm -hmm. this is not one of their finer moments. No. And again, this is a season one episode and it shows 
at one point someone does jokingly misgender one of the trans women he makes a joke about how he kissed his first guy and it's not addressed so again it's less a case of these people are garbage and more a case of they don't know what they're doing and they don't know what they're saying yeah yeah so i'm not making excuses for them because at the end of the day if someone who isn't educated sees this they will internalize all of these things and that is bad that's the problem right right i will say though one of the trans characters has come back and because become a very good reoccurring character (laughs) marshmallow marshmallow i feel like has become someone who is just like there and has not been made other Mm -hmm. but that's later like this first introduction was handled not as horribly as it could have, but that doesn't mean it's well done at all. Absolutely. And and like you said, Earl, this is like early season one. Mm-hmm. So this is still in their uh, their growing pains, I would say. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that famous Tina line about deuteruses is season one as well. If guys had uteruses, they'd be deuteruses. Right. Which I've thought about. And you just have to switch one word and it's not problematic. And that's when guys have uteruses, they are deuteruses. That is hilarious. <laughs> Isn't that great? Like, that is obviously so funny. Obviously, obviously, if it triggers dysmorphia, don't say it. Right. But it acknowledges that some dudes have uteruses. Yeah. And it gives them a funny nickname. And I yeah. think that if trans men are okay with it, I think that's a funny thing that we could do. But, but unfortunately, that's not the case on the show. And obviously on the show is written as like this funny throwaway line. But now we know it can cause and often does trigger body dysmorphia in trans people. Right. I could, I'm not excusing it, but you, one could argue that Tina is a 13 year old girl and maybe doesn't, yes. maybe doesn't understand the concept that a trans, a trans individual who is male presenting may also have a uterus right, obviously so that i'm not excusing it mm-hmm. but that could be an argument in this is the mind of a 13 year old girl and then bob is like a cis white guy and what he's he's not going to educate anyone so i think the show isn't perfect it obviously isn't perfect very few things are they haven't done this again so i'm hoping mm-hmm. they've learned from it yeah i'm hoping the fact that they include marshmallow regularly means that I mean, Marshmallow is a trans woman of color and she just like hangs out with the family and no one goes out of their way to point anything out about it. Yeah. So hopefully that counts as good representation. I like Marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) She's hilarious. And I love every and I just love that the way that they just acknowledge with, hey, Marshmallow, like (laughs) every time, Mm -hmm. every time she appears on screen, hey, Marshmallow. (laughs) The only other thing that I have found, because Amina, you would, you addressed everything else. The fact that out of the main cast, we only have one woman. Right. I found this article from Alloy by Alexis Rhiannon called, I love Bob's Burgers, but I can't help but wish it was more feminist. And Alexis's main complaint 
seems to be that the female representation is lacking in terms of cast. She she does acknowledge that Laura and Sarah Silverman are Andy and Ollie and that Jenny Slate is there. But the fact that in a six person cast, Kristen Schaal is the only woman this is a quote from the article. It's just one of those things that bothers me on a micro level because it represents a macro problem. So I have to get it off my chest. In an ideal world, there'd be so many shows out there where women were equally represented or even where they held the majority that it wouldn't matter that one hilarious cartoon chose to represent two of them with hilarious dudes. I think we're getting there, but until the time is here, I'll just have a feeling of guilt that two of my favorite female characters on television aren't actually played by women. And she's referring to Dan Mintz as Tina and John Roberts as Linda. Mm -hmm. You know, and then I found another article from... The Odyssey, which was a feminist critique of Bob's Burgers, who pretty much had the same thing to say. So it's a, a feminist critique of Bob's Burgers, and the author is Catherine Lumsden. And she says that it, Bob's Burgers is a progressive show, and she, but she's not entirely convinced that it's feminist. But again, her, her main complaint, she said, I couldn't help but notice that Linda and Tina, two of the strong female characters, are actually voiced by men. It's, you know, about the sexism in Hollywood and and how also the show was produced by two men. Mm -hmm. She's making this point about how, you know, those are two roles that could have gone to women in the industry when instead it went to two men. And she's like, look, I get it. Having men voice women can be really funny, but there are so many other women who have deep or raspy voices that, you know, who could have mm -hmm. done the job. So I, I completely understand where both of these authors are coming from, that we do have a big sexism gap in Hollywood, the pay gap, the sexualization of women, flat female characters, more more men in the business than women. And Catherine Lumsden also pointed out that it's hard for, she says, quote, it's hard for me to see the progressive show that Bob's Burgers is to have such little female representation behind the scenes, especially with the, all the inequalities that are taking place in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. So I get that. But at the same time, I mean, it's 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 a cartoon. No, but at the end of the day, they didn't give enough jobs to women. I think yeah. is the point. No, I, I like, really understand. I get that animation is animation's different because you do have a lot of gender switching when it comes to voice work. Right. But I think voice work for women in general is hard anyway. It's, hard, it's harder for them to find jobs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is kind of disappointing that two of our favorite feminist characters are voiced by not just men but white men cis white, white men. men i have seen i think it was on cracked i did see this thing where they said that if a piece of media is good people will excuse the fact that it's problematic mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i realize that that I is agree. something that i'm guilty of and that is very common and i feel like it's something that i want to work on so like they specifically mentioned the fact that on bojack diane guyan is voiced by a white woman but the character is vietnamese but yeah, yeah character is vietnamese and it's something that isn't made a big deal of because the show is good right and i think that's an interesting thing you're absolutely right and then at the same time like we've talked about problematic faves and how it's also okay to be a fan of problematic media as long as you acknowledge what's problematic right but people don't acknowledge that oh. good things are problematic oh. because they're so good i see what you're saying okay so you're more talking about the people who will just blatantly ignore the problematic or minimize it oh i see yeah those people because it's a good piece of media and i don't yeah. want to do that with bob's burgers because it is a good show but 
that doesn't mean that we need to make excuses for how problematic it can be. Oh, absolutely. No, I, if it's one thing that the shows that we like, if it's one thing that they can't get away with, it's being problematic. Right. <laughs> we will be the first to point that out. I sometimes will like inwardly wince at a certain line of dialogue and I'm like, oh, why? But so we addressed it. Mm-hmm. We're not letting it slide. Right, exactly. But it's a fun show. Oh, absolutely. It does contribute a lot of good things. So I think we can responsibly move on to the good stuff. Yeah. And of course, if anybody out there, you know, wants to point out something else or make a point, you know, we're always available on the social media. The social media. Social media. Hit us up on the social media. <laughs> us up. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. That's so. my Jocelyn. <laughs> That's a very Jocelyn. good Jocelyn. <laughs> oh my God, Tammy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I also love that. I also love, I will say too, that like John Benjamin and John Roberts also do many voices on the show. Yes. Regardless of gender. Like I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure Jocelyn is John Roberts and John Benjamin is also Jimmy Pesto Jr. Right. So, so they do a ton of voices as well. Uh, okay. Anyway, so shall we? Yeah. Shall we dive in? All the good stuff. Shall we just start with Tina because she's <laughs> the best? So, okay. <laughs> on one of the dating websites that I was on, whichever they're all the fucking same. Um, <laughs> I was chatting with someone and we were talking about Tina for some reason. And I was like, yeah, you know, I can really relate. I was like that, and he was like, all the girls say that, and he meant it. In a dismissive way, I could tell. But the moron had a point. <laughs> and it's that most of us, when we were that age, were like Tina. It's just like a matter of fact. She is awkward and she is figuring stuff out and she is super boy crazy. Mm -hmm. And I was awkward and figuring stuff out and super boy crazy. Yeah. Like, it's just a fact of life. And Tina is more, I think also, because Tina is more representative of the majority of what teenage girls are like mm -hmm. than the minority, I think. We watch a lot of media in which teens are involved. I mean, sorry, I mean, I'm going to blow up your spot, but we both watch Riverdale. Oh, they don't have to know that. <laughs> they don't have to know that. No, I... I love that show. God um, help me, I do. But the characters are supposed to be like, what, 16, 17, 18 years old, and they're all really sexy, which is really disturbing that they're all really sexy. All really sexy. Or when I was growing up, it was Buffy and Dawson's Creek, and they were all so well-spoken and confident and cool. Yeah, exactly. And you get to high school and you're, you're like, nobody I know is like that. I'm like tripping on my own feet. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to talk to <laughs> anyone. I have braces and food is stuck in them. I could not relate at all. And then you have Tina, who is so relatable. Mm -hmm. So relatable. What I loved, they acknowledge body hair. Mm hmm. Tina wanting to shave her legs, which is one of my favorite, one of my favorite episodes. I'm laughing because I haven't shaved in a while and I have very long leg hair. And no, neither have I. I always, whenever I look at my legs, I think about Tina's Terminator <laughs> fantasy <laughs> where she's swinging and her leg hairs are like, hi, Tina. <laughs> and like, what a beautiful celebratory 
sequence about body hair. Like, go ahead and be proud of your body hair. I don't give a shit. I love my body mm-hmm. hair. I haven't shaved my legs. I haven't shaved my legs in three years. <laughs> but Tina is embracing. She's like, yeah, I have body hair and I think I'm ready to shave, but maybe I'm not ready mm-hmm. to shave. So it's acknowledging that that's a thing and that might be a struggle that somebody her age is going through. Mm-hmm. I love her obsession with butts. Mm-hmm. I think that is just the most, I mean, okay, 13 year olds are hormonal AF mm-hmm. and loving butts is so innocuous. <laughs> like it's so, it's kind of innocent in a way. Yeah, like it is. she hasn't made the leap to sex yet, right? So like she's just as like I like butts. Mm-hmm. You did a rewatch of Crazy Ex Girlfriend recently, yes. You're talking about how there's a character that acknowledges his bisexuality by realizing like, ooh, I like men's butts, but I also like women's butts. Like <laughs> <laughs> the most relatable thing ever. I know it's so good. It's so good. Having a 13 year old be into butts is kind of like it fits yes absolutely Mm -hmm. it's like the safest way of a kid exploring their sexuality without actually Mm -hmm. exploring Mm -hmm. their sexuality yeah right and i love also tina has this confidence about Mm -hmm. her i think that's why she's so appealing she's awkward in the way that we were all awkward but she also knows herself better than i feel like i knew myself at that age and she expresses herself better, not in an unrealistic way, but still in a way that I wasn't capable of. So I think Tina is a realistic idealization of who we could have been at that age. Right. She also had, at one point, she also had like two dudes after her. Also that. Which is <laughs> the fact also that Tina has guys into her the way she yes. is. Like. First of all, I'm saying it right now, she needs to dump Jimmy Jr. Like, that guy's yes, not good enough. He's not good enough for her. She should have gone after that dancer kid who was voiced by Ben Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Yes. The guy with the finger. Mm-hmm. The band-aid on his finger. Yes. <laughs> Josh, right. the dancer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, she was into a dancer. Yes. That was really cute. Yeah, it is. He was not, like, a traditional masculine. Mm-hmm. Actually, Jimmy Jr., dances too but not to the extent that josh did but anyway i'm really involved in tina's love life you guys (laughs) i'm really concerned about it so you're absolutely right it's like she's like almost a better she's like a version that we all wish we could have been right it's not dawson's creek levels of ridiculous right she's a strong smart sensual woman exactly we actually start to see Tina realizing how toxic Jimmy Jr. can be and I'm not gonna Finally. spoil it yeah I'm not gonna spoil anything because like that story arc has really evolved mm-hmm. and like teenage boys in general are trash so <laughs> <laughs> that is very very true yeah you brought up a really good point which is that even though this is a cartoon and cartoons are known for keeping their characters the same age indefinitely this show does have evolution and I think that's most obvious with Louise. Oh, yeah. We can use this as a transition to talk to Louise. Uh, That's what I was doing, boo. Yes, I love her. (laughs) So if Tina is who we were, Louise is who I wish I had been. Mm -hmm. I was a huge pushover when I was little. I let everyone walk over me and I wish, wish, wish I had said something the way Louise does. Louise is no bullshit. Mm -hmm. I adore her. I could only hope my kid is as awesome as Louise. (laughs) That's all any of us can hope for. Yeah. 
I would 100% embrace a kid like Louise. And that's another thing, too, is that both Bob and Linda just absolutely embrace all three of their children. Mm-hmm. They don't try to change a damn thing. I mean, we'll get into talking about Bob and Linda, obviously, but Louise is the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. And she is just this force. She, mm-hmm. She's the most mischievous. She's the most conniving. She's the most outspoken. And she's amazing. She's a little budding feminist. She is. She's going to be a force mm-hmm. when she's old. I mean, like, we're talking like she's going to age, but <laughs> but can you picture, like, a college-age Louise? Uh, she'd be my girlfriend. Right? I think a lot of girls are thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, teenage Louise is like, I don't want to mess with that. Mm-hmm. That's a terrifying thought. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because she knows who she is, just like Tina does, but they both express it in very, very different ways. Yeah, Louise definitely in a more aggressive exactly and they tease each other but they have each other's backs and they compliment each other really well from the womb to the tomb (laughs) i feel like ironically the message of that show is that there's no wrong way to be a girl a feminist a whatever you want to be because you and i discussed the fact that all three kids are combinations of their parents, but in very different ways. Yeah. And they're all so different, but at the end of the day, they love each other and they're confident and they're amazing, Mm -hmm. which is like the feel good after school special message of that show. Right. I mean, I've never seen a family on TV love each other the way the Belchers do. Yes. You see, I mean, sometimes you do. I don't know. The love that they have for each other is just so incredibly unique. And it's unconditional. You don't see that on TV. Like I said, Bob and Linda love their kids and they don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't care that, you know, Louise can pick locks or is like the world's most amazing con artist for an eight-year-old, you know? And has secretly watched Game of Thrones. And secretly watches Game of Thrones. (laughs) Uh, You know, and they, they don't care that Tina writes erotic friend fiction. And they don't care that Jean sometimes enjoys the occasional high heel. Jean. (laughs) I I could talk about Jean all day. Jean is amazing. And he is such a special character. And I literally, I mean the word special. He is such a special character. One of the articles, I believe it was one that we both read, explained that Jean loves adventure and doesn't care if that adventure is traditionally masculine or traditionally feminine mm-hmm. or whatever gene does not care and he is so amazing because of that yeah and he he's so comfortable with who he is mm-hmm. he makes no apologies he's definitely the weirdest mm-hmm. that may come from middle child syndrome right but he just wants to be involved in whatever shenanigans anybody else is doing and he doesn't care mm-hmm. and he's Definitely, definitely gonna be gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I don't know if that was a conscientious decision they made, but it works. It works so perfectly. It would not come out of nowhere if Jean turned out to be gender fluid or anything like that. I think they've been setting that up for a really long time. And the best part is that 
his parents would be like that's cool yeah and his sisters would be like that's cool and it wouldn't be a big deal Mm -hmm. it's just who he is yeah i distinctly remember i believe it was the episode tina taylor soldier spy Mm -hmm. where gene is rummaging through the garbage and he puts together like an outfit Mm -hmm. and like it's a mishmash of things but it's from girls clothing Mm -hmm. and he's like what do you think and bob is like hey can you make me an outfit too and it's like that is just so great that is just (laughs) (laughs) like that's the family that every queer weird funky kid wishes they had growing up right exactly it's just so endearing that this is a family that just like we've said it so many times already but it's Mm -hmm. so true they just love their kids they just love them and they just want their kids to be happy and be themselves and that is so exemplified with how they treat gene which is they don't treat him like anything he is gene he is who he is i love it i love it and you know kid eats shirtless you know (laughs) like (laughs) and he eats massive quantity like i love gene he's my he's my soul twin All I think all three of the Belcher kids are somehow. Yeah. That's another thing is that all three of the these kids are mm-hmm. relatable in one way or another. Yeah. I relate to Tina's awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I relate to Louise's outspokenness. I relate to Jean's obsession with food mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and his portly figure. Mm-hmm. I share that with him. <laughs> <laughs> The article that you're referencing from The Odyssey, Bob's Burgers is totally feminist and here's why. They say, Jean's feminism is subtle, but it's probably the most important message of the show. Mm-hmm. And that's that, you know, feminism is is for everybody. And going back to that toxic masculinity, there's no right or wrong way to be a dude. And if we want to use that to transition to talking about Bob, yeah. Bob is 100% the opposite of toxic masculinity. Yeah, He's a wonderful example of how there's no wrong or right way to be a man. He's in a profession that is seen as feminine, I guess, even mm-hmm. though, oddly enough, the professional cooking is male-dominated. Which Mm -hmm. I always found, I come from a family where both of my parents were professional chefs. And my mother was told at one point, like, don't be a professional chef. That's what men do. (laughs) Gender stereotypes are so stupid. Yeah, but it's like, what what did women do in like the good old days? They were in the kitchen. That's why they're dumb, because uh, it's go make me a sandwich, but also don't be a professional chef. But the thing is that Bob is not just a professional chef and he does it with so much love and care. He puts so Mm -hmm. much thought and effort into everything he's doing. I mean, the whole premise of his restaurant is that he makes gourmet, almost artisanal Mm -hmm. burgers in this like basic little dump of a town and isn't appreciated Mm -hmm. anywhere else bob would be a superstar Mm -hmm. you know it's just he's he is where he is and he's making the best of it which is really admirable that he's sticking it out and they're struggling we Mm -hmm. had that conversation about how someone did the math and that family is like basically dirt poor oh yeah they are below the poverty line in terms of what their take-home pay is but it's all a sacrifice this whole family is making so that bob can have his dream this restaurant is his dream and nobody resents him for it either no the kids joke about how miserable they are that they have to work at the restaurant but they love working at the restaurant with their dad oh they absolutely do louise even makes like a passing comment about how she's gonna own the restaurant one day and bob teases her for it (laughs) But Mm -hmm. but they love what their family does 
it's one of those things that makes them them. It's part of their, the restaurant's part of their identity, mm-hmm. you know, which is beautiful. And the fact that they all, they all work together for, you know, for Bob and with Bob is so nice. Yep. They're all extremely supportive of each other. Yeah. And Bob, I think, also came from toxic masculinity. Like we, yes. there's that episode where we meet his father, and his father again is a is a cook, a chef. But there's definitely some toxicity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very old school. Yeah, his father doesn't understand Bob's creativity. He doesn't allow Bob to stretch, you know, to stretch and to grow. He tries to keep Bob in like this little bubble, as it were, this little box rather of what he should be and bob's like nah man i gotta dance (laughs) i want to put wheels on my car burger (laughs) you cheddar believe it (laughs) and i think finally we can talk about the matriarch of the family yeah all right (laughs) linda who is everyone's favorite mom who would not want to be raised by linda she's so loving and fun and yes she's embarrassing but in the best way possible right linda's definitely one of those moms where like as small children you're like mom stop it yes but 10 years down the road you're drinking in a bar with her and having the best time Mm -hmm. like linda is gonna be one of those moms that when the kids go off to college when linda comes to visit it's a party so she is the glue that holds that family together absolutely She's the one who makes sure that everything is running well. There's that episode where she actually, she goes, she leaves the restaurant and she gets a job elsewhere and everything kind of just falls apart. Mm-hmm. And she does it because she's not appreciated. Linda Pendant Woman. I've yeah. seen that episode. <laughs> I think it's safe to say for you, Mina, as well, that we've watched every episode a million times. Yes. That is the magic of a show like that is it's like comforting. And some of the episodes are heavy but it's because they're emotionally heavy and it's the family sort of going through these growing pains but it's one of those shows that sort of feels like home and you can always go back to it sorry a little look behind the veil bella does not have these episode titles or anything in front of her she's 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 (laughs) doing this off the cuff so if you're thinking the only reason that she's able to name every single episode reference is because of the fact that she has them in front of her you are sorely mistaken it's true (laughs) i (laughs) it's true so uh back to linda linda i can't i just i just get so overwhelmed with love for linda and she's all three kids are so different but you can tell what they got from each of their parents and what they got from linda but my favorite thing is that louise begrudgingly loves her mom Uh because her mom is so feminine and so silly and so quote-unquote girly and those are all the things that louise fights against Mm -hmm. but they love each other and Louise has fun with her mom. And she's also, she's not like a nagging mother. Like she just, she just embraces all of her kids as they are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she respects the fact that, you know, maybe Tina doesn't want to shave her legs. It's, or, you know, or if you want to shave, that's fine. Or, you know, you go out and you be the best person you can be. And she loves, she loves all of Jean's quirks. And then there's the episode with her birthday where they're trying to track Linda down and all three of the, and all three of the kids have, have like their secret that they do with linda yes and linda has her own secret life too yes i love that episode she's gonna go shuck an oyster (laughs) so do we have any other final thoughts on linda belcher the most perfect woman in the world (laughs) just that i want to go have fun with her 
God, I would love to get wine drunk with Linda. <laughs> I would love I would love to like day drink and like get a pedicure with Linda, I swear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so in in summation, I mean, we're definitely looking at an incredibly feminist show here. Mm-hmm. I think so. It's perfectly imperfect. Mm-hmm. It embodies all of these wonderful ideals that I think feminism likes to to tout, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> Giggling at the dog. That is the most amazing sound. <laughs> it's got people of, of all different gender identities working together. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a new approach on societal norms. Mm-hmm. It's got open-mindedness, excuse toxic masculinity. It embraces change. It just, to me, it just screams feminism. Yeah. Could it be better? Absolutely, it could be better. Yeah. And I think it's working on getting better. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the creators did not think that it was going to happen this way. Mm-mm. I mean, did you know, actually, fun fact, that the original premise of the show was that the Belchers actually were cannibals? <laughs> that was the original premise of the show, and <laughs> Tina was a boy, and they made Tina into a girl, and now we have Tina. Mina, do you have any final thoughts, my dear? No, just watch Bob's Burgers <laughs> and try to embody these characteristics. Try to live your life like the Belchers, mm-hmm. minus the death. It's gonna happen, but try to avoid it. That's a tall order these days. I know. It is. <laughs> I know it is. Wishful thinking. So be empowering. Learn some great lessons from Tina, Louise, Jean, Bob, and Linda. Love yourself. Love yourself. Yeah. Be empowered. Yeah. Love each other. That's, I think, one of the best messages this show has is love each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Aww, I love it. Don't be ashamed of how much you love the people in your life. Yeah. Aww. Gross. We got really gross with it. We did. That's okay. <laughs> Well, it's okay. Before I go get Linda wine drunk, because <laughs> I'm not working today. So, the sendeth. Yeah, the we good? Uh, all right. All right. <laughs> so, we won't be doing a recommendation. Right. Because we did two recommendations. It was the episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're thinking about maybe doing a different ending bit mm-hmm. for 2018 because we did Amazon recommends all throughout 2017. We're working on stuff we don't know quite what yet Mm -hmm. it's gonna be fun though yeah we're gonna workshop some stuff and oh wait before we sign off we have our first patreon patron that's right nikki reed nikki reed in the house nikki reed thank you you're our first and now only patreon patron (laughs) (laughs) thank you nikki if you would like to be a patreon patron you can go to patreon.com slash geek and legion you can pledge a monthly donation to help us keep the show going you'll get undying gratitude and you'll get your name on an episode and you'll get a you know you'll appear on all our social media who knows if we get enough patrons who knows there might be merch gotta get that chris hardwick money so yeah you could go to patreon.com slash geek and legion check out our patreon page every little bit helps whatever you could afford you could also find us on twitter where at Geek and Amazons. We're also at Geek and Amazons on the Instagram. You can find us on Facebook at Geek and Amazons Podcast. We also have the Geek and Amazons Podcast Discussion Group. You can also find our brother podcast, Geek and Warriors, and they're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Geek and Warriors. Oh, and they have Twitch as well. And they also have a discussion page, which is the Geek and Warriors discussion page. And if you want to email us, if you want to say hi or ask us a question or suggest an episode topic, Geek and Amazons at gmail.com. So I think I covered everything. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're a beast at social media. Yay. You never cease to amaze me. <laughs> it's the power of coffee, honestly. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful burger-tastic day. Mm-hmm. So for Geek and Amazons, I'm Bella. I'm Mina. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. Get nerdy with me.